0: Welcome to Sunday on Monday, the best podcast about cannabis banking that you can listen to any day of the week, brought to you by Safe Harbor Financial. Unparalleled experience, proven expertise, bank with confidence. Well, before you could bank with confidence in the cannabis industry, you needed someone who would bank you in the first place. And, of course, that's where Safe Harbor Financial came in. One of the things I've learned in getting to know the Safe Harbor brand is that their clients absolutely love Safe Harbor Financial. And I asked Sunday about this incredible loyalty.
1: I think the loyalty really became evident because we started with the credit union philosophy of people helping people. That was the basis of doing this entire program. When we jumped in, we didn't approach the industry with anything but respect. Some would get from financial institutions that it's, you know, it's our way or the highway. After all, you can't get an account anywhere else. We didn't do that. Our core values included respect. Nothing changed because of the product on that service level, just the compliance level. If we were going to do this, we were going to do it as normal as possible as any credit union would do launching a new service or a new product. The service first aspect of the credit union philosophy worked for us right after a compliance first approach. Once that compliance agreement was reached and discussed, they were afforded good old fashioned credit union service as all other businesses. Loyalty, therefore, I think, comes from a deep understanding of each other's businesses. We educated our businesses and clients as much as they educated us on their compliance demands. And that respect for each other grew into a loyalty. One of those
0: loyal clients, Loom Cannabis, I've got their website right there in the episode description. This is a beautiful brand. Thoughtfully designed stores, meticulously grown cannabis and they offer the best experience in products possible and it might seem odd that a cannabis brand would grow out of an automotive entire brand but that's exactly what happened up in Michigan and our guest today is going to tell us all about it. Our guest today, Jim Tyson, he's an attorney, he has an accounting background and while he doesn't technically work for Loom Cannabis Company, he is part of this amazing story from the very beginning,
2: and I asked him about it. Oh goodness! On the one hand, it seems like such a long, long time and such a long, long developed story, but when you look at the calendar, it's only been a few years. I was around. I was around before Loom started. Loom actually started as an entity in um, in October 2019, and. Um, and I was around before that started, from when we really started to move into the business in the 2017, 18, and first part of 2019. And I was uh, I was there to help structure the business and and get it organized from a um, uh, uh, from a back office standpoint and and help those folks, you know, the lawyers who specialize in the licensing side of things and. And my goal was to support that entire process, and it was a fascinating process.
0: And while it might seem odd to go from the automotive entire business to the cannabis business, Jim knew something that was absolutely critical when it came to retail sales and creating a retail shopping experience.
2: Oh, we've been involved for more than a decade in the retail. Uh, tire and automotive so- service business. And it, it's interesting that, um, that no matter really what product you're selling, the focus is, at a retail level, the focus has to be on customer service. And uh, and, and that's a lesson that, that, uh, that I learned uh, in – in the automotive and tire business, and much of it carried over into uh, into the cannabis business.
0: And yet Jim was aware that there were some things that made the cannabis business very, very different from the automotive and tire business, and he shared that observation with me, and I found it absolutely fascinating, because I've done thousands of podcasts, and I'd never heard this before. You
2: know, the, the thing that's interesting about the tire and automotive uh, business that I learned is that when you come, when you go to a tire dealer because you need new tires for your car, you don't want to be there. I mean, no, nobody <laughs> yeah. wakes up, the up in the morning and says, hey, let's go get new tires. I mean, right. you, know, you might say, let's go get a new barbecue. Let's go shop for new uh, for a new kitchen. But you never say, let's go shop for new tires. And uh, oh, yeah. and, and that makes that. That makes that business a, a, a really one which is focused on, on on making the customer as happy as they can be, make, getting them satisfied, becoming really their trusted advisor in, uh, in, a, in a business where they don't want to buy it because they don't want to spend the money because they've got other things to do. Now, the canvas right. business turns it turns out to be a little bit easier because the people who are there are people who want to use the product for any of the various right. reasons you might use the product. but the um, but the idea is still the same. You want to become uh, you want to become the trusted advisor or consultant to uh, to the folks who, uh, who are walking into the cannabis store. On
0: numerous occasions during our conversations, both on and off the air, Jim said that the process has been fascinating. And I was like, it's such an unusual word to use when you're talking about business in the 21st century. It's hard to find anything fascinating anymore. And he said the number one thing was... It was fascinating because how did I get involved in this? And I could relate to that because I do a show now, a podcast about cannabis, and sometimes I ask myself how did I get involved in this? But there was a second part of it as well.
2: The second uh, part of it, and really the more important part of it, on a, on a bigger sense, is that is that you, we're busy taking something. We were busy taking something that that has not been using. Traditional business principles and applying those, applying uh, business principles to that sort of business. In the end, when you get down to it, it's exactly the same as any other business. You have a product, you've got to make sure that the product is is a high quality product. You've got to make sure that you can distribute the product to all of your retail outlets. You've got, so you've got logistics issues, you've got quality issues, you've got production issues, can you meet the customer demand, you've got uh, employee issues, the, the same sort of employee issues that you have everywhere else, which is what's the correct compensation, what's the correct benefit program, um, how do you address issues like uh, you know medical insurance or benefit plans or any of those sorts of things that you have to do, and uh, have you put yourself in the right spot? Can you... Can you get, uh, especially these days, can you get people to staff the stores? So those are, those are all the issues that, that, at the very beginning, uh, very beginning, that we address, uh, and, and maybe one of the most important things, because all of those issues that we talked about, you know, from from product, distribution, and, and logistics into into ultimate sales, all those things have to be supported by uh, finance and banking. And there is where we had some of our, our, our biggest uh, biggest problems because you, once you're legal in a state like Michigan or Colorado or any of the other states where it's legal, you can get the logistics done. You can get the people side of the thing done. But what you can't get or, or what's very difficult to do is to get the banking side of things done uh, and the finance thing. And that's what uh, a struggle at times but also very, very interesting.
0: This is why I've gone through great lengths to try to explain to people that the cannabis banking business is serious business. It's not a joke. It's not a punchline. I don't like it when people call it pot banking. This is a legitimate business with all the same. If you take the word cannabis out of it, the logistical, the personnel, the sales requirements, the profit and loss is the same as any other legal business business except for the fact that they couldn't get banking services and we're going to talk about that but before I did that I wanted to ask Jim about the stores themselves because I went and looked at them online and they are beautiful they're elegant not at all what I what I was expecting not at all what I was expecting when I visited a dispensary in Colorado and I asked Jim why that atmosphere was being created
2: well what, when you go in when you go into these stores what you what you more often, uh, what you might associate it with today more than, uh, than perhaps any, any misconceptions you might have created in your mind is what you see when you go to an Apple store, uh, that bright, uh, modern, well-lit, um, well-staffed, technologically advanced, clean sort of uh, environment and, and very welcoming in that sense because in, in the end, this is going to be a, a competitive retail business. The only way you're going to survive in that business is to always be ahead of the curve and, and exceed the customer's expectations. And so that's, that's the philosophy that uh, Loom's management team when, uh, when they did this, when they went off in, uh, in that direction and they built uh, Built these facilities. Um, that's the approach that they took, and, and looking at it from my perspective, I think it's an absolutely uh, uh, wonderful job, and um, and definitely necessary in order to be uh, in order to be the number one uh, the, the number one provider in your market.
0: And, of course, that's the goal for any retail company. You want to be the best. There's really no retail brand that gets out there and says, hey, we're the third best brand in the marketplace at doing what we do. And so you've heard Jim talk about these are legitimate business concerns that any business would have. And I understand the stigma around cannabis. I live in a state where it is recreationally Illegal. But you heard Jim talking about once we figured out the logistical issues and all of the personnel issues, now we had to have an ability once we made money to manage that money responsibly and safely, and there was no one willing to do that. Well, enter Safe Harbor Financial.
2: (laughs) Safe Harbor is absolutely critical uh, in our relationship with them in, in getting started. As, as you mentioned, you'll you'll see that today Loom has 25 stores open, and they, they've got plans on the board to open another 15 more uh, in the not-too-distant future, and by not-too-distant future, I mean really within the next year or so. So, um, and, and um, when Loom started in October of 2019, um, there were two stores open, so we're talking about a situation which, in, uh, has grown from two to 25 stores in uh, in two years, and will add another 15 stores in the next year. After that, so that's an incredible, tremendous growth. But before that, and, and the thing that really got the the growth going is, of course recreational uh, cannabis became legal in december of 2019 just two months uh, less than two months really before loon ramped up but uh in the prior time in the in the earlier time in the medical only um uh, environment in michigan where we had uh where we had two stores you still had this problem of you have a product you put it in a store your employees are selling it um how do you get people to pay for it? Well, you couldn't pay for it with credit cards, and um, and while I want to carve out CBD products, and I don't want to get too technical in what CBD is, but um, but when you're talking about traditional cannabis products, you you couldn't, and I don't believe you can pay for them with a credit card anymore. Um, or, uh, so you're kind of down to um, you're kind of down to cash, and so. It, like any cash business, you got the struggles of how do you collect the cash, how do you count the cash, how do you reconcile it to your accounting records, how do you get the cash uh, uh, where it needs to go? So you've got to get a uh, uh, you've got to get an armored car service. Now where does the armored car take it? And, uh, and in our particular case, dealing with Safe Safe Harbor, who's based in Colorado. And our business, which was based here in Michigan, how do you get the cash to, uh, uh, to them? And, and that's really, again, when I say we couldn't have done it without Sunday and, and Kim and the entire team over at Safe Harbor, we couldn't have done it without their guidance and their help, because what they provided for us was the structure in which this could be done. And most importantly, they were able to handle, number one, handle the cannabis regulations, the regulatory side from a banking perspective. But at the same time, um, they were able to help us understand the regulatory perspective from the store, from the business perspective. And without their experience and their guidance guidance, I don't want to say we couldn't have gotten it done. We probably would have, but it would have been, you know, exponentially more difficult. Um, so, so what what happened is is that as um, they hooked us up with the uh, they hooked us up with the armored uh, uh, car service, and um, and they helped us they helped guide us through to the, the regulations and the compliance side of things. I mean, that's really was the key issue, was the compliance side of things. So they needed some compliance. They'd call us. We'd go, my goodness, we do. We need to do that. Yes, you do. We'd go through, get all the compliance. We'd send it off to them. they review it and uh, say, that's great, or we need a little bit more, and then we'd get it to them, and it became a very – Very collaborative relationship, much more really than a than a normal banking relationship. I mean, a normal banking relationship, you open an account and off you go. Um, You may not, you may call online and never talk to a banker again. But here, we were in um, a weekly, if not daily, contact with the folks at Safe Harbor. Guiding us uh, through the compliance framework uh, that, that we had to execute, and at the same time understanding what their compliance requirements were, so that we could make sure that everybody was staying on the right side of uh, of the regulatory agency. So there weren't a right, there weren't a lot of uh, weren't a lot of organizations jumping into it. There were a few credit unions that did it, but. Um, but no one had the the depth or breadth of experience that uh, that Safe Harbor and Sunday's team had. It just uh, uh, so that's why we ended up going with that.
0: And Jim told me a very funny story that he discovered during this process, which is in some ways very ironic, but it also illuminates the the challenge of getting into this business when, at the federal level, it's still illegal.
2: But once we got the armored car uh, situation set up here in Michigan, and the armored car would come by and pick up the cash from our store, they'd take it back to the armored car facility and they'd count it just like they would any other, the cash from any other business. But then, the most fascinating thing to me was that they, they, the armored car company would then take that cash to the Federal Reserve Bank, and the Federal Federal Reserve Reserve. Bank, (laughs) Arbor's account. I mean, and I, I would look at that and go, oh, okay, that's fine. As long as that works, that's good.
0: In case you missed that, because I sort of laughed over the story when he told me you've got a product that is federally illegal. And the profits and proceeds are being deposited into the most federal of all federal institutions, the Federal Reserve. Next, I turn back to that stigma issue. And I asked Jim, you know, while you're not working for Loom Cannabis, the company necessarily, you're helping with the process. Did you experience some of that stigma with your, you know, circle of family and
2: friends? Uh, certainly. There's no question about it. There's no question about it. And, uh, it, there is a, um, especially with a, adult children. There's a little bit, you know, of raised eyebrows going. You, you know, you always want to be consistent when with dealing with your childrens and children, and there can be uh, a perceived inconsistency here. But but the point right. of it is, is that I, my job is to is to help legitimate businesses. Uh, get structured and organized, and be in a position to grow. And uh, and this is a legitimate business. There's no there's no question about that. Um, but there are all sorts of products. Uh, there are all sorts of legitimate business out there whose products I don't use for one reason or another. Um, I've never bought a Gucci bag. I, mean, I, I don't use a Gucci. Right? Um, uh I've never used Chanel Chanel Number no. Five. These are products that I've never do, never participated with, used right. Um, so <laughs> that part of it's not unusual. And, and and the thing I think the thing that is, um, uh, but the thing that I would say about this, and it's you see about you see this because of the uh, uh, the news stories that we have, but we've had for the last decade or two an opioid crisis. I can tell right. you that what I've come to learn about this business is, if I had a pain problem and and a doctor prescribed opioids or opioids for me, I would look it in the eye and say, "Would you mind if I tried this first? I mean, there are right. there are products that I would I would approach in the in the cannabis uh, realm. Um, that I would try to do before I used op- opioids. That doesn't mean I know what I'm doing. It doesn't mean that I've got uh, um, some special insight into it. It means that I know that I would prefer not to use. Uh, I would prefer to use the least, the, the least intrusive pain um, remedies before I got to something serious like. Um, uh, like opi- opioids. So, uh, right. as I said, I can picture a world where I might get to the point where I need to use it.
0: I told Jim, don't be surprised if you get a Gucci bag and Chanel number no. five for Christmas this year. But most of all, I wanted to congratulate him on this exponential growth of the loom cannabis brand and what a joy it is to work with him and all the folks at loom and on behalf of everybody at safe harbor financial i thanked him so much for taking some time out of his day to join us on sunday on monday
2: thank you jason i really appreciate it too
0: finally i wanted to ask sunday tell us about this incredible bond that has developed between safe harbor financial and its clients
1: It was not difficult to bond with the industry on a compliance level. They knew only too well how compliant they had to be and recognize the situation we were in as well. They must maintain compliance to retain their licenses, which are worth a great deal of money. And of course we have to be compliant to stay in a program. This was key to bonding and understanding each other. Nobody wanted to do it wrong. Everybody wanted to stay safe. THE INDUSTRY KNEW WE HAD ONE GOAL IN MIND, GET IT RIGHT AND PROVIDE BANKING CONTINUITY. IT'S WHAT THEY NEEDED AND IT'S WHAT THEY REALLY WANTED. THEY DIDN'T WANT TO OPEN AND CLOSE ACCOUNTS LEFT AND RIGHT, THAT'S WHAT THEY WERE ALREADY DOING. Well, WE MOVED SLOWLY THROUGHOUT THE PROCESS, LIKE WHEN WE BROUGHT IN NEW SERVICES SUCH AS LENDING. WE WANTED IT TO STICK, THE LONG GAME, NOT JUMP IN WITHOUT TESTING, NOT JUMP IN WITHOUT COOPERATING WITH REGULATORS. WE WANTED TO DO IT RIGHT. And they appreciated that. We often discussed with our clients the slow and methodical approach to banking cannabis and that it would be the sure way to success for all parties. They understood. After all, the risk was great enough just jumping into a federally illegal market. Think about it. They really didn't want off-the-wall crazy bankers. They wanted long-term stability that comes with a methodical approach to banking, Banking is banking, and everybody wants to count on a safe and sound financial system, and that translates to solid compliance. Again, they understood that. The industry was patient with us, and the ability to stay in the game has paid off for us and our relationships. That long-term reliability is a major factor in bonding with the industry in general. Well, once again, we want to thank Jim Tyson for joining us on
0: the podcast today. And we want to thank you for listening to Sunday on Monday, the best podcast about cannabis banking that you can listen to any day of the week. My name is Jason Dyes. And until next month, take care and we'll talk to you soon.